Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's talk about that speech with Claire and Rachel. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Let's Talk About Speech podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Claire. And we're back for another episode. Last episode, we talked all about back to school. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to that, stop, go listen, and then come back. And this one has been on our list for a while now. Preschool stuttering is what we're going to be talking about. Um, I think it's definitely an area that a lot of SLPs don't feel super comfortable in, just like Mm -hmm the whole world of stuttering, but preschool stuttering, especially because it's always a question of, do I treat, do I talk about stuttering? Where do I start? Um, So we're going to be diving into this as best as we can. We obviously won't cover every single basis. So if you guys have questions or things that you'd like to add, please let us know. This is probably one that can be, can have some episodes off of it as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so the first thing I just wanted to mention was some statistics and they really fluctuate. So again, if you find a resource that says something else, let me know. This is just what I've seen through stuttering foundation and some of the bigger websites, um, and research articles I've looked at. Um, but it's estimated that about 11% of preschool children stutter like as a whole right now. Mm -hmm. And that of those 80% will, I hate this word, but everybody uses it. 80% will recover. I know we need to find a better word. I know, but it's everywhere. Like even in, even on those websites, like it's on stuttering foundation too. So I guess it's like the accurate, Mm -hmm. Uh, term, but it's it's yeah. just essentially that they will no longer stutter. So there's still that 20% that will continue mm-hmm. um, leading, obviously, as we know, to a total of 1% of the population. Mm-hmm. And the prevalence of stuttering actually, and I got this from one of the Stuttering Foundation's um, CEU courses that I took, the prevalence of stuttering is actually highest in ages two to five years old because there's so much developmental stuttering. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, as we can see, a lot of those kids do end up not stuttering lifelong or even long-term, but there is quite a few that will stutter as they begin to develop their language, especially um, if they are demonstrating advanced language skills. It's really that they just have so much that they want to say Mm -hmm. and their motor system isn't ready for that. Um, So that's that piece of the developmental stuttering. So I guess the biggest question is always like, should we treat it or should we not? Because it could go away on its own, right? Like it's been proven. There's research that shows that it really could in this 80% could go away on its own without therapy. Um, But the question that I always ask myself, and I'll even talk to parents about is, 
Like there is a possibility that it could stick around though. And do we really want to wait depending on a lot of different factors, obviously, but do we really want to wait um, and see? And so the first thing I always do obviously is a case history because you can tell a lot about the prognosis from the case history. So Mm -hmm. obviously gender, if it's a male, more likely because we know that males are more likely than females to stutter. Um, If they have any family history, I think it's like 65%, um, or something of 60 to 70, I think percent of children who stutter or people who stutter also have somebody else in their family. So that's Mm -hmm. high. Um, So there is that strong genetic component. And then obviously the, the severity of the stuttering, the child's awareness, like have they expressed frustration communicating? Are mm-hmm. they starting to notice it? Um, or ha- do they have no awareness of it at all? And then obviously the level of parent concern um, and how much it's affecting their day-to-day life. We always talk about that, but yeah. a lot of different pieces. So I'm curious, would you or have you um, I guess like gotten the referral for a preschool student and have you said no? So yes, actually, I, I I have, but the one, well, no, not, not all of them. I haven't had like so many preschoolers that I've seen, but one of them actually came back this summer. So it was, I guess like in winter that, um, I evaluated her and I said that, let's just, let's just wait and see. Like, she's not bothered. She's, Mm -hmm. she's super smart. She has so much to say. She's happy. Like we're good. Mm -hmm. Then this summer we came back because, um, she had expressed, she had said like to her mom that she couldn't say it. And she was starting to communicate only in like one word utterances Okay, because she was just getting so incredibly stuck. Mm -hmm. So, Yes, I've had ones that like just kind of disappear from me because mm-hmm. whatever, but there's also the cases where they do come back after a yeah. few months and they're like, no, it's worse or they're starting to notice it. Okay. Um, um, I have also, well, I guess I have not had that. I have had like the, I guess they, parents reach out for a consult, mm-hmm. you know, we go through everything you just kind of said. Um, and the recommendation is just kind of like to monitor, right. um, and check in. But so I think we've all been there, right? Like there's, there's no cookie cutter, perfect. You treat every time you ignore until this age, you whatever, because obviously everything's so different, but that, um, I attended a PD back in March with Dr. Yaris, which I feel like anytime we say stutter, we say Dr. Yaris like a trillion times. (laughs) So, um, I know I sat in the training with him that was all about early childhood stuttering therapy and, my impression from that, and I guess you guys just have to listen to him because he's a fantastic mm-hmm. public speaker. He, you know, he knows stuttering in and out, like he is the person. His kind of, um, I guess, like perception of that is why not work on Right, it? totally. You know, I and agree. then he, he kind of breaks down the different types of treatment, which I know we're about to get into next, which I think is really helpful for people to understand, Mm -hmm. but his, his, my takeaway from that with him was why not? Yeah. There's no reason. There really isn't a reason not to. Um, and also don't freak out if you guys have, or are turning away preschool kids, because that's also Mm -hmm. okay too. Like it is okay to wait a couple months. Like I usually will say, check in with me in three months or Mm -hmm. check in with me 
in even two months, maybe whenever you feel like you need to check in with me, check in with me. Um, and if they're still stuttering at that point, and it's been over six months is usually my go-to if that's, if they've been stuttering for longer than that, Mm -hmm. um, we need to do a little bit more either parent coaching or direct treatment, which we're going to get into in a second. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, there's no right answer, like Rachel said, but we can just do the best we can do with the information we have. Um, so getting into that indirect versus direct treatment, that's a big question too, right? So indirect treatment is more focused on like modifying the environment. So you guys have probably heard of Lidcom and Halen mm-hmm. programs where it's really focused on the parent and how they can modify and change their environment. A lot of like Lidcom is uh, positive reinforcement to fluent, fluent speech for the child, like um, telling them, oh, wow, I love the words you just said, like giving them really, really mm-hmm. positive reinforcement and then modeling um, that slow controlled rate of speech. So it's it's more about the parents in that indirect treatment mm-hmm. as opposed to working directly with the child. Yeah. Um, and so this I would use in a situation where the child is really unaware and unbothered by it, but the parents are really uncomfortable with it and they don't know how to respond. They don't know what they should do when it's happening. So that's a really good opportunity to see them for a parent coaching session or even just a parent educational session um, because the child at this point, they don't really care. They haven't, they haven't shown any signs of you know, mm-hmm. being frustrated or being upset. So I think we can just kind of focus on the parents. Um, that to me is so wild because you can literally do a session, two, three, four, mm-hmm. all of your sessions and have no interaction with the child. Isn't that crazy? Because the focus is solely on the parents. Yeah. With that like operant therapy, right. like that yeah. reinforcing the desired behavior. And yep. I love parent coaching sessions. I will say I never have had one without the child there. Mm-hmm. Because typically what I'm doing is coaching them through a real task with the child. Yeah. And I'm on telepractice with all of my private clients. So usually the preschooler doesn't even know I'm there. Right. <laughs> they're just like, whatever. And yeah. they say hi to me a couple of times, but if their parents playing with them, I really can be like a fly on the wall yeah. and give them some coaching tips. It's so much fun. Um, it's, it's very, very effective too. And the parents always really appreciate it. Um, and so then direct is when we start actually working again, directly with the child and talking with them more explicitly about either easy speech is usually how I, what I call it. So Mm -hmm. we're talking to them about that slow controlled rate of speech, um, or just modifying it to be easier. And we hear over and over again, not to tell people who stutter to slow down, which I hundred percent agree with. However, I will say there's a benefit to that concept of slow with a preschool child, because they understand what that concept means. Whereas they might not understand what like easy and smooth, like they, they might not get what that means to put it in your speech yet. Um, so I do sometimes use the word slower speech, but I'm not modeling that robotic speech that we might have if we're having super slow speech all the time. Mm -hmm. I'm still modeling more of that easy controlled speech. Um, so don't be afraid of that because I know that's big. Like don't tell people to slow down. But I that was a big situations. Yeah. A little bit. Um and that was a big thing that Dr. Yarsh touched on. He was like stop using words that kids don't understand. Exactly. Yeah. Like when you tell them their speech is bumpy 
in a three-year-old brain they're thinking what are you talking right. you know like if you're talking slow right. versus fast you can mm -hmm. show them with a car yeah slow or fast so he was right. saying if you are going to say bumpy you need to have a physical model yes. something an activity analogy to go with of something yes yeah yeah, yeah for totally sure. yeah and I've used that too but again yeah you have to explain it because these kids are going to look at you like you're crazy like I don't know what you're talking about mm -hmm. <laughs> um but I think that in my experience and Rachel you can let me know yours too but mm -hmm. I think that the best thing has always been a mixture of both these yeah and again it depends on the child but I will say the ones that I've like started parent coaching with if they're continuing to stutter even with the parent education I will move to that direct piece pretty quickly honestly yeah. like after probably two or three sessions just because like Rachel just said, why not? Like there's yeah. no reason not to. Um, and like we know in our world today, we need to stop being afraid of that word stuttering. Mm -hmm. And I think parents, I've had, a, I've had many parents very afraid of that word and mm -hmm. that it's hard. It's really hard when you get that pushback of, well, I don't want you to tell them they stutter. Like we, yeah. we don't want to use that word and you just kind of have to sit back and be like, why? What, yeah why, why not? What's, yeah. what's wrong? Like we, we have to do a little bit more counseling, I think with the parents on that piece, then yeah, sure. they have to just be okay with it. And that's, that's the biggest piece that they might be part of that problem is they're reacting to this in a negative way. Well, and I feel like as our field has evolved, like, I guess like traditionally, right. So years ago, we assumed that preschool children were completely unaware of their stutter, yeah. which I think is kind of how this Lidcom program yes. started rolling. Mm -hmm. And today we know that's not true. I mean, you have to get on their level and their terms and their yes. understanding, but majority of the time, at least in my experience, they're completely aware of it. Yeah, they are um, right. And they, and they may not be able to express it to you yes. what's happening, but you yeah, can watch for it for sure in different ways. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to talk really quick about something I give parents for their like parent coaching program. I give them this handout from stuttering therapy resources from mm -hmm. the early childhood book that they have. It's wonderful. It's one of their um, handouts in the back. Mm -hmm. It's phenomenal. It's just the modification. So it's a really in-depth look at the different modifications that we can talk about with parents to mm -hmm. just start using in their daily speech. So the first is easy talking. Again, that's not necessarily slow motion talking. I think of it more like putting easy onset on different parts. You're pausing and phrasing. You're putting breaths in frequently. You're maybe elongating certain words, but not all the time. You're just really taking your time with mm -hmm. your speech and you're not rushing it. And that's, that's what I usually tell parents. And again, I, I model the like robotic slow-mo too, and say not to do that. Also the mm -hmm. sing-songy voice. We don't want them to start singing like a cartoon. Like we don't want them to do that either. Yeah. Um, we want it to be natural. So that takes some practice for parents because it might not feel super natural at first, but we yeah. want it to feel natural. Um, limiting verbal competition, especially if the child has siblings. This usually is present with like younger siblings who have, or younger kids who have older siblings talking for them. So mm -hmm. trying to limit that and having their time where, okay, it's so-and-so's turn to talk. Like we're going to listen to them no matter how long it takes because mm -hmm. that time pressure is big and kids as young as two, three feel that time pressure mm -hmm. and you're like rushing them to speak. Yeah. 
Um, and sorry, that leads me to my next one, reducing communication pressures, again, going with the time pressure. So that's things like if you are running out the door and your child's trying to say something to you, it's hard. Like life is crazy. We get that. But that's why designating certain times of the day or certain, um, maybe it's even in the car, maybe it's at dinner time where it's just so-and-so's turn that really can help them not feel like there's never a chance for them to say what they want to say because it takes longer. Yeah. Um, reflecting and rephrasing. So I do this a lot with my kids in sessions just all the time. So like the little ones, when they are stuck in a moment and they get through it, and then maybe I'll rephrase what they say in an easy controlled rate, um, or model that easy speech. And a lot of times they'll model it after me. So I'm not correcting them. It's mm -hmm. not a correction. It's just rephrasing or reflecting on what they say, but in that easy speech or easy talk that you want them to practice with you. And then you'll see, they start to kind of use it and start to realize how they can use it. And that's really cool. Um, but I will also want to put on this one not to point out every time they stutter either, mm -hmm. because I've had parents really want to like give that corrective feedback and it's mm -hmm. not corrective feedback. It's just that modeling. We're not pointing out every time they stutter. We're not making them fix it every time they get stuck because that's mm -hmm. not the point. It's just giving them an easier way to talk if they're able and want to. Yeah. Um, I, one thing I wanted to say really quickly when you yeah. were saying, making sure to give them the time Mm -hmm. The first thing that popped into my brain, and maybe it's just where the season of life I'm in right now. So I, for you, those of you who don't know, I have a two-year-old, I have a one-year-old. The two-year-old is going to be three in like a couple weeks. So potty training is a thing we've been working on for the past couple months. When we started that, we specifically built into our schedule time and everything that we do to make sure he can use the potty before we leave, when we go somewhere, whatever it may be. If you have a child that stutters, that is something you need to build into your schedule. And I'm, I'm so glad you said like, you get it, life is crazy, we're on the go. And that's so true. But I just think parents should be hyper aware and that should be something that is built into their schedule or they should work on doing that. So they have the time because it's so important that children feel validated in being able to say what they wanna say right. and rushing them through it or, you know, like you can tell me when we're in the car, whatever it may be, they should have that time and building that into your schedule, I think is something helpful, at least that I found with my family. Yeah. And like potty training, it can become just a part of your daily routine. Like, yeah, it might feel like something big at first, but the more you put into it, the more it just becomes mm -hmm. a part of your lifestyle. Yep. Um, it's just a change that you're implementing. Definitely. And then the last piece that they uh, recommend, which I really like is to model vocal regulation, which means that like when you, a lot of times when preschool children and, and sometimes other people who stutter are really emotional, like either frustrated or happy, or just their emotions are going all over the place. It's harder mm -hmm. for them to say what they want to say. It might take longer. They might have a harder block. Um, so it's, it's saying to model like different ways that they can show their emotions so that yeah. they can communicate their emotions if they are stuck still. Um, because that time pressure on that, on top of an emotional pressure is really, really rough on a kid who doesn't understand their emotions. So it's like starting to teach them to regulate their emotions, um, by ways other than just speech, which 
we need anyway in mm-hmm. life. So it's almost just a skill that you're, you're hopping on to. Yeah. Um, and the way they describe it in the handout is really, really great. And I love it because they, they break it down. So I really recommend if you can get your hands on one of these books to do it, yeah. I promise we're not sponsored. Um, <laughs> but they break down, like, how do I do it? What's in it for the child? Like there's all these different pieces to it that the parent can really benefit from so that they can learn more about what that means. Um, and then another big thing that I make sure that I do with parents and that I, I think is a big piece of all this is their desensitization to the stuttering moments. Um, our parents really need to decrease their sensitivity to the stutter and be aware of their reaction. I've seen parents, I've seen it, and you probably have too, when their child stutters, they they may not do a huge reaction that like, you're like, oh, whoa, don't do that. But but they they might back off a little, or they might, their shoulders might go up, or their demeanor might change, or their eyes might get really big. So even something subtle, kids pick up on that. Mm -hmm. And kids pick up on these things from a time they're really little and those things sit with them. I've had adult clients even talk about things where they were a child and they, they are so so hyper aware of people's reactions and their body language to when they have a stuttering moment. Um, So our parents really need to be the first people that we talk to about that in the child's life. And then they can talk to other people in the child's life about it too. It's not having that huge reaction um, and really really honing in on the fact that it's okay if it takes them an extra second and then alter your reaction accordingly. Mm-hmm. And then also for parents to consider the way that they talk um, about stuttering with them. So, or I'm sorry, talk about stuttering to us and then therefore how it relays on to their child. So I have a lot of um, sessions where I'll start it with like, oh, how's it going? And mm-hmm. the parent will be like, it's been pretty bad. They've been stuttering a lot. And so like the first thing I do is I try and rephrase that like, okay, maybe you've noticed that they're having a harder time speaking, Mm -hmm. but are they still able to say what they want to say? Yeah. Great. So like, it doesn't have to be like super, super positive, but we also can't have this mindset of stuttering equals bad. Mm -hmm. No stuttering equals good. Like we need to get out of that mindset. And the first way to do that is to change the way we talk about it. So from day one, if the parent is talking in terms of, well, it's bad, which means we're stuttering or it's good, which means we're not stuttering. We need to kind of change that, um, and say, okay, but they're, they're getting through their speech. It's been, they've had a little bit longer blocks or, you know, I've noticed more repetitions, give them, educate them about what else they can say about it. Because those kind of things, the, again, the child will start to pick up on that kind of thing. And the parent will get more stressed and the child will see that. And it's just a never ending battle at that point. Um, Yeah. That's one thing. um, Dr. Yaris really focused on making sure parents respond in a supportive way. Mm -hmm. So he was saying, you need to focus on helping parents see that their response to stuttering is different from their response to other issues that their child may have. So Mm -hmm. the examples he gave were like coloring outside of the lines or spilling Mm -hmm. their drink, falling off of a bike. Those are all things that you, like if you visited someone that you hadn't seen in a while, you wouldn't say, oh, Henry's been falling off his bike a lot more than usual. Yeah. So he kind of outlined a three-step process to that, which was acknowledging the issue, mm-hmm. normalizing it, and then refocusing the child's attention to the task. Yeah. Um, and I, I really like that 
that comparison really helped me see. Yeah. I love that. The shift. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other part I always tell my parents is like, I see, and I recognize that the way you're reacting and the way that you're responding to stuttering is all because you're trying to help your child. And because your instinct as a parent is to save them essentially. And you're seeing this stuttering moment as something they're struggling with and something that's hard. So you want to help them. So Mm -hmm. it's all coming from a place of love and support and being a parent. So I always say that it it completely is not wrong what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, It just is something we have to get more educated on in order to give more appropriate and constructive responses. So I think that's important to talk with parents about is, you know, it's, it's not outlandish for them to be responding this way, but it is something that long-term can have a negative impact on their child. If they keep responding in this negative way, we have to support our children, um, and let them know, especially if it is going to last a little bit longer or long-term that it's okay if they stutter and it's okay that it takes a little bit longer. Um, Side note, have you seen that video on, because I keep thinking about it every time I say it's okay that it takes a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen the New York times? No. On, oh my gosh. I'll send it to you. It was, Am I gonna to, cry? yep. Yep. Yeah. I, I've, I've watched it like three or four times and every <laughs> time I cry, um, you guys watch it. It is New York times. I stutter. I forget what it's called, but if you look up New York times stuttering, it was posted like three or four days ago. You'll okay. see, um, basically the premise of it is, you know, what if instead of the person who stutters having to rush and have being the person that has to like get through it, what if it was put up, put on us as the listeners to fill in those gaps with patience is what they say. And it's just so like, it's so moving you guys. And I, I think about it all the time when I talk about stuttering now all the time, the last three days, but (laughs) this whole talk more than you think, right. This whole talk, I've been thinking about it because I think it's so important for anyone. It it is an adult who's narrating, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's so good for anybody who's working with anybody who stutters or for parents who are listening, who, who their children may stutter. It's fantastic. I've had actually a couple of my clients, parents email me about it and be like, Oh my gosh, I'm sharing it with the school. Like this is it's fantastic. Oh, here I go. Like I am so <laughs> impressed and I am applaud them for doing that piece. Cause it's, it's phenomenal. Um, okay. Last thing really quick is I just wanted to touch on direct therapy. I know we did a little bit, but I wanted to give you guys some ideas. Again, I use what's called easy speech, which is really, um, it's pretty much like easy onset and pausing and phrasing put together, but it's just a controlled rate of speech. And I model it. I help my children even model it after me. We work a lot on belly breaths, which again, I know it's not about, um, taking, just taking a breath, but I've had a lot of preschool kids that just push and push and push and push and they lose their breath. So we do work on those belly breaths before we start talking and it, it does help them. So again, it's, it's not about just taking a breath, but as we're incorporating it into our speech, it it can help sometimes. So I do work on that. Um, and then like Rachel said, put analogies with things. If you're going to do bumpy to smooth speech, you got to have an analogy. I love the car one, especially for little boys that I work with. Like they love looking at the cars and you can do it on telepractice. There's so many fun things you can do with it. Um, and they really like that analogy. And then I always do a silly speech one where we're, where we change our speech. So, okay, let's say it really hard. Okay. Let's say it really soft. 
okay, let's say it really, really loud and really, really quiet. Let's say it bumpy and smooth. And like, we change it up so many times and they have so much fun with it. And Mm -hmm. it's just really to, there's really no strategy in it. It's really just that awareness piece of piece of, Hey, I can change what I'm saying. And I have power over my speech. And it's, it's to give them that power over their speech that they may be feeling like they're losing sometimes when they're in that stuttering moment. Um, so that's always a really fun activity that I do. love it. Yeah. Love it. So look up the video. That's yes, my, I will. It's everyone's video. homework. <laughs> yes. Everyone's homework. Look at the video if you haven't already and make sure you share it with your colleagues, share it with everyone, because I think it's so important for people to see. All right, guys. Well, thank you again for joining us for another episode. We will see you soon. Thanks. Bye. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. You can find me, Rachel, on Instagram at supersweetspeech or on my website, speechissupersweet.com. And you can find me, Claire, on Instagram at kindly underscore speech or on Facebook on kindly speech. And then you can email Rachel and I, if you have any questions or concerns, we are let's talk about speech podcast at gmail.com. Thanks.